Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Week four of The Chosen, if you hadn't seen it, that's okay. Let me catch you up to speed real quick. They started introducing John the Baptist, which I love because John chapter one teaches that, um, um, here, here's a little nugget of truth, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the gospels that talk about Jesus, they assume you already believe Jesus is the Messiah. They assume you already believe Jesus is the most important one, the, the, the set-apart one. John is the only gospel that doesn't assume you believe that. He tries to convince you in chapter 1, here's how we know Jesus is the special one, the Son of God. And it says that John the Baptist would baptize, and he, he knew that God said, you just keep baptizing people till you see something miraculous happening, and I will introduce to you before anyone else that you are dealing with the Son of God. And the Bible says that Andrew, Simon's brother, was there to see it. And so it starts introducing John the Baptist, and then Andrew saw it, and so it talks about Andrew trying to convince uh, his brother Simon come on I saw John the Baptist he saw the Messiah they call him the baptizer I think that's that's great um, Simon is too occupied with his own desperations his own need to provide for his family and the heavy taxes and he's fallen under Roman rule and things are getting desperate um, then he learns his mother-in-law on top of that is sick and we do know that's true because the Bible says that Jesus will later heal Peter's mother-in-law that's how we know Peter was not only married but he had a sick mother-in-law anybody else got a sick mother-in-law no I'm just joking I'm don't don't even say that's that's a terrible joke. All right. All right. So, and, and he too, he too has family problems. And so he's talking about, this is poor timing and we, our bank account's not good and I got to go work and, and there's strain in the family. And then we learned that Quintus, the Roman centurion is, is ramping up the pressure on Simon. Um, that's a creative liberty. The Bible doesn't talk about that, but I think it's interesting that he would tack, tap into Matthew's meticulous accounting abilities and reassign it to you start meticulously accounting for where did Simon go because I'm about to call in his debts. And then finally, uh, uh, Matthew tells uh, Simon, uh, Quintus is called in your debts. You've got 12 hours left to live. It's mathematically impossible. Turn yourself in and die. And, 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 and Peter, Peter, who is Simon, later to be called Peter, says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm just going to try to make up the debt. I don't know how. And see, the most important scene of week four is the miraculous catch at the end when Jesus has a moment with Simon and he tells him to cast his nets out one more time. And there's this miraculous catch of fish. That's what I want to study with you this morning. So if you got your Bible, go with me to Luke chapter 5. I hope you brought your Bible. I hope at home you, you're watching on a device, but you got your Bible open. Go with me to Luke chapter 5 because I want you to read along and we'll start at verse 1 in just a minute. And whether they got the story of how Simon got into the boat and how Jesus encountered Simon in the boat and whether he was in debt to the Romans or not, whether they got that right or not, can you not resonate with his story? I've gone through seasons of my life where I typed this emoji way too much. Come on, show that emoji right there, the, the, the sad face emoji. How many of y'all are, are sick and tired 
of typing this emoji as a response to someone else. I feel like a couple months ago, I was like, if I have to type this emoji one more time, things are difficult. There's bad news after bad news. It seems like ominous clouds. It seems like everybody needs prayer. It seems like things are getting difficult. And and, and there's there's just, if, if my faith tank was a gas tank, I'm approaching empty. And if I get one more, one more, then I don't know if my faith can sustain it. Now, I know it was true. I know God was true, and he will persevere. But can you resonate with that kind of, man, I, I, it's just, I can't find the good news anywhere. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's going through some stuff. And see, when bad news comes our way, we've got to understand that um, the Bible tells Paul, when he complained of a similar weakness in 2 Corinthians, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your sad-faced emojis. Like, in your weak times... My power is going to be made perfect. You just hold on. And the Bible says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Meaning, when I am weak, God himself will resonate in my life and he will strengthen me. For when I am weak, he is strong. And we got to trust that when we begin to doubt or when we begin to get desperate or when we begin to have our faith tank start to approach empty, and you're like, you better gas up again, my friend. Come on. How many of y'all have a, a friend who rides that E way too risky? Come on. And you're like, you better gas up, my friend. Listen, when our faith tank starts to approach empty, I want to tell you the good news today, that the good news of the gospel is that empty is God's preferred context for a miracle. Empty is God's preferred context for a miracle. Let's look at Luke chapter 5. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two, say this next word with me, empty. He noticed two, say it with me, empty. Type empty in the chat right now. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left on him. uh, I'm sorry, I read the wrong line. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus sat and taught the crowds from there. So we see there's two empty boats. Some of your translations might not say empty, but the Bible does say that they caught no fish, (laughs) which means the boat was empty. How many of y'all fishermen ever been fishing before and the ice chest is empty? Come on. You pray that when you get back to the docks, no one's there to watch you launch the boat. You're like, launch the boat as fast as you can. Come on, right? And and then somebody starts walking up and you're like, oh, dear Lord. Come on. And and you're like, act like the ice chest is heavy. Come on. And you just, oh my goodness, so many. And they're like, what? you catch today it was a catch and release kind of day catch and release we were just catching and releasing caught so many of them couldn't keep all of them i don't know how anybody would be able to eat those right it, it, it's like it, an empty boat for a fisherman is a sign of shame simon shows up at the shore with shame on his heart i ain't catch nothing I've been fishing all night long. I'm supposed to be a professional. I expect beginners and amateurs to show up with an empty ice chest. I'm a professional. I have professional gear. I've got the latest and greatest that Dick's Sporting Goods puts out. Come on, Cabela's ain't got nothing on me. I got the stuff, and yet I still came back empty. It's a sign of shame and regret, and I'm empty. And, and when we approach empty, we can think, too, that that means failure in my life. 
Something's failing. Something's going wrong. I, I don't have enough faith. I, I, bad news after bad news. Is God working? And we start approaching empty. Well, I have good news for you. I've already said it. That when you start approaching empty, it is God's preferred stage for a miracle. He saw two empty boats and it says, then Jesus stepping into them. Makes me wonder if it was full of fish, if he would have said, this part's crowded. There's no need for me here. The Bible does say it's more difficult for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God than those who are in need, right? And so, and so he steps into an empty boat. And if you're feeling empty, like, come on, I don't know if I can take more bad news. I don't know. I just got a bad diagnosis on my health. Can I tell you this morning, you're in a good context for a miracle. Come on. Emptiness is not always failure for God. It's his stage. Genesis chapter 1 says, the earth was formless and empty. Come on. The Bible says it was empty and that the earth was then full, filled as God did a miraculous work, as he breathed the life and he breathed the, the sea and, and, and the land, the, the sun and the moon. Come on. It was an empty life. The Bible says that Abram was married to Sarai and Sarai's womb was barren and empty. And then God decided to birth the great nation of Israel who would be the people of God out of an empty womb. Come on. The Bible says that Joseph had 11 older brothers who threw him into an empty, desolate pit. And in that pit, there was no more sign of life. There was nothing but darkness. That was hopeless. There was despair. And yet the Bible says that in that emptiness, that something happened and he went on to become the number two in the most powerful kingdom. Can I go on? The Bible says that when God's people were enslaved in Egypt, that the Bible says that they were so desolate and so so uh, uh, ravished that when they went to leave, their hands were empty. And God said, in your empty hands, I'm going to put the gold and the jewelry of the Egyptians in your empty hands. For you went in one way, you'll come out another. For you might be ravished and empty, but I'm going to do a miracle that even you don't understand. What, the Egyptians are just going to go here? I want you to have my necklace after my oldest son died. How does that work? Come on, have you ever thought about that scripture? Are you just, oh, my son died. Let me just give you my gold necklace. Come on. How does that work? Yet God uses empty hands. God uses empty things. The prophet Elijah told the woman with empty jars, your jars are about to be filled. For you shall not die, you shall live. God is going to fill your empty jars. And can I finish one more time that the tomb was empty when Jesus went in dead. And the Bible says that resurrection and miraculous life came out of an empty tomb that went in. Come on, you might go into your situation empty, but I believe resurrection is the stage that's about to come. By faith, I believe, and by faith, God is a rewarder of my faith. Somebody say empty. The Bible says that Jesus got in two empty boats. I think the stage for a miracle is already set up. And it says in verse 4, come on, actually, I want you to write this down first. God often makes empty places the basis for his next miracle. Write that down. God often makes empty places the basis for his next miracle miracle come on you got to believe that some of you got a friend who's running on e some of you are running on e you think your relationships running on e you think your workplace situation or your financial bank accounts running on e god uses empty places as the basis for his next miracle verse 4 says when jesus finished speaking in that empty boat he turned and he said to simon 
Now go where it is deeper. Let down your nets and catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Come on, I read so many emotions that could be going through his head as he begins to say, <laughs> Master, <laughs> Rabbi, special man not sure who you are to me just yet i just know others call you master and rabbi listen <laughs> here's what you don't understand we're professionals we do this for a living we did it all night long i read at least five different ways he could have said it he could have been so desperate like i'm out of options master we fished all last night come on i wish they would have told his tone in the midst of it right he could have been discouraged master last night was a failure we fished all night long. <laughs> Please, don't, don't prolong our misery any longer. Come on. We are so discouraged. Let us just hang our heads and go home with as few people seeing as possible. He could have been doubtful, master. <laughs> Listen, yeah, right. <laughs> throw out the nets one more time. I threw out the nets one more time. Ever been caught in a boat with a guy who said, cast the lines one more time, and you're like, it's hopeless. Let's pack it up and go home. Stop making us throw the lines out. Nothing's biting. And they're like, surely something will bite if we stay here another three hours. Cast your lines. And I'm like, let's go home. <laughs> let's go home. The couch sounds great right now. He could have been drained. Master, I've been out here all night and dealing with you right now is not making matters any better. <laughs> I just want to go home and I'm drained. He sounds appeasing. Like, I have no quarrels with you. I don't really want to fight with you, so I'm going to go along with things, but I really don't expect anything great. And can I speak to the people who have developed a religious routine where maybe you, you, maybe you continually pray or maybe you continually uh, attend church, but you're like, I really don't expect anything great to happen today. Come on. I want to tell you, Simon didn't expect anything great, but when you are talking to the king of kings, come on, when you're talking to the one who resurrected out of the grave, I want to tell you that I cannot have a complacent spirit as I approach the house of the Lord come on happy was I when I heard let's go unto the house of the Lord come on when I opened up my word I knew that his word never returns void and so excited and hopeful and anticipating am I as I read his word this morning as I step into another worship song I shall not do it complacently for I am talking to the king of kings I, don't, I, I can't appease God. God, here I am. I'm moving my mouth. It's a little bit better than a mumble. Come on. This is awesome. When's it done so that we can grab some lunch and get some yard work done today? Not today. Come on, it's raining. But I've been through seasons where it was kind of like I'm appeasing him. It's Sunday morning. I'll appease you. It's time for your word. I'll appease you. Oh, y'all praying for a miracle. I'll pray with you too. Let's hold hands. And you're just like, I really don't expect anything to come out of this. Simon was there too. And Simon was about to see that this is no, not just master. This is Messiah. This is the son of God who came to seek and save the lost. So what happened? Even though Simon had a half-hearted response, verse 6 says, This time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Somebody say, so full. 
A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon the boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. With the time I have left, I want to answer, what is the answer when you get doubtful? I want to give you three things that you can do when you begin to get doubtful. When you encounter a friend who's in despair, when you believe somebody you know's faith tank is approaching empty or is already emptied out, three things that you do when you get doubtful. Number one is you do what Jesus says, go where it is deeper. You've got to go where it is deeper. I love what one commentary said on this portion of scripture. Can I read it to you? It says, they had toiled all night and had taken nothing. They were tired and a bit discouraged. But when Jesus spoke to them, oh, I like this commentary's word usage right here. Come on. His words gave them a lift to make another effort. He's become my favorite commentary person right now. Come on. His words can make those who have grown discouraged in their spiritual endeavors try again. Come on, I'm going to read that again. Jesus' words gave them a lift to make another effort. Tell your neighbor, make another effort right now. Come on. And, and, and his words can make those who have grown discouraged in their spiritual endeavors Try again. Somebody in the chat, right? Try again. Come on. Go a little deeper, Jesus said. You've got to try again. You've got to go a little deeper. This is, this is the words of the master who when he spoke, the, the earth, the heavens and the earth were created. And when he says go a little deeper, you say, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm a little bit tired. My faith tank's running on empty. I don't know if my tank will even make it. But at your word, I trust you and your word. You shall take me there. I trust in you. It's not by by might, it's not by power, it's not by my energy, and it's not by my gas tank. It's by the word of the Lord. It's by the spirit of God. Come on. You know, you know when you get in situations where shallow faith won't do. I can't take another cute Pinterest quote. Uh, come on. Indulging in Chinese fortune cookies and a pint of ice cream ain't going to do. Trying to binge another TV series to just numb the pain ain't going to do. Come on. You know when you get to a point where I've got to have something deeper than that. I have to have something deeper than a shopping spree or, 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 or a plus and play one more time on something that's not going to help me. i got to go a little deeper. Come on. Tell your neighbor, go a little deeper. I need an organist up in here. Come on. Go a little deeper. Come on. I'm feeling it this morning. I hope you are too because I need you to understand. Your doubt, your friend's doubt, your family's doubt, your empty, disparaging, discouraging season can start to see an end when we just go a little deeper. Why? The Bible says that God is always a rewarder of faith. And when we go a little deeper, we're going beyond our natural. Come on. Your natural head, let's be real, is saying this is stupid. But you try looking at God and going, this is stupid. I've done it before. <laughs> this is stupid. But at your word, I'm going to go down a little bit deeper. Come on, you know when you don't just need a prayer. I need somebody who wars with me. Come on, you know when I don't just need to attend church, I need to get into the presence of God at church. Come on, you know when I don't, I don't need, I, I just need something deeper than these beats that I always put on when I'm having a bad day. Come on, some of you just resort back to the classics or you resort back to something that makes you feel good and you realize I got to get my worship on and I got to start war and I got to go a little deeper. Say go a little deeper. It's time to fast. It's time to go a little bit deeper. Number two, he says, go deeper. And he says, let down your nets. Oh, 
I'm giving them apostrophes. Let down your nets. Let down your guard. Let down your doubts. Let down your reservations. Let down your excuses. Throw them into the sea and see that when they go into the sea empty, see what comes up. Come on. You got to go a little deeper. You got to let down your nets. You've been making excuses. You've been holding back reservations. Come on. Anytime someone starts asking for a miracle, you know you start doing the reservation thing. Well, I don't know if God can come through this time, so I'm just going to kind of pat my answers a little bit like okay yeah praying and you're just like I don't know about this one or you're like oh at God's will come on or you're like come on I saw him do it but I don't know if he can do it again come on I need to tell you that you need to let down your nets let down your reservations come on we've told you the testimony of Kayla that 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 one of our students in our school and she's running sound this morning had a cardiac arrest situation where she went to the hospital they had to put her into a, a chill-induced coma, and she came through, and she's running sound this morning. We praise God for that. This past week, we found out another one of our lifters had a similar issue, cardiac arrest, five minutes unresponsive, chill-induced coma. First thought, eh, God used up all of his chips on Kayla. Am I being too transparent, or do you struggle with the same I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 and if he doesn't, God's still good. And he is still good. But I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let down my nets. I'm going to have another go just like I had a go the last time. Come on. I'm going to let my faith wild, and I'm just going to believe. And do you know that two days ago, or, or, or maybe it was yesterday morning, my wife got the miraculous report that even though he had no brain activity, all of a sudden he's got brain activity, and he has responded to his fiance. His memories are starting to come back. He's not in the clear yet. So live church. Let's pray with Jenna over Blake. Come on. We're praying for Blake, and we're believing a miracle. We're let down and we're letting down our nets and reservations and we believe we're going to go a little deeper we're going to let down our nets young man if God told you to let down your nets let down your nets come on I had a dream teamer say I feel God is telling me to let down my nets and release my schedule but I don't know if he'll provide and I heard God say he'll provide and this past week she texts back well I'm letting down my nets I'm having to go I turned in my change of work employment situation and I believe God's going to come through I believe God is a rewarder of faith can I get an amen you can't score any points if you don't shoot, and you don't see a miracle if you don't believe. Come on, let down your nets. And finally, it says, it's really the third one, is you receive your promise because he says this, and you will catch many fish. Deuteronomy 28 says that obedience commands a blessing. Come on, when you obey him and you cast your nets into the deep, you obey him. The Bible says obedience commands a blessing. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all. Say all. With all your heart and lean not and on your own understanding. In all. Say all. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will. Say he will. He will make your path straight. Come on. You got to go deeper. You got to cast your nets into the sea. And then you will catch many fish. Watch how they portrayed the scene in The Chosen. Watch this. Put that down for a catch. 
A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. That's your, that's yours and mine's situation to figure out as well. The command, the invitation that Jesus gives is extended to you and I as well. The last verse I read from the same account of Luke, chapter 5, verse 8 says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, I love the idea that Jesus would have laughed and chuckled as he watched him struggle over the catch that they just doubted and they were appeasing him over. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, 
he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. When you encounter the presence of God, you will first also encounter the sinfulness that you have. The unresolved issues between you and God. And I want to tell you that Jesus' first words were do not fear in response to that. I want to tell you that you need to do something about the sinful nature that we, we become aware of as we enter the presence of God. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord in heaven. You get to decide if you're going to bow your knee like Simon on this side of earth or if you're going to bow your knee in heaven when it's been too late and you realize I have been a sinful woman. I've been a sinful man. I've been stubborn. I've been, I've been, I've been difficult. I have denied you. I have, I have put you off. Oh, Lord. The first one, God says, do not fear. The second one, he says, depart from me. For I never knew you. And there's suffering in hell for eternity. He didn't create hell for you and I. He created it for Satan and his minion fallen angels. He didn't create it for you and I. So he's giving every opportunity, including this morning, even if you're listening online, even if you're listening on demand and it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you're listening in the car or at home with your family, I'm telling you this. Do not fear. Respond as Simon responded and say, as he said, I am a sinful man. If we acknowledge our sin before the Lord, and if we acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, the Bible says he'll acknowledge us before his Father in heaven. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Drew, I'm not, I'm not right with God, and it's time that I, I quit hiding these areas and today is the day that I get right with God if that's you come on just swiftly raise your hand high up in the sky if you're online and you say that's me just type in the chat that's me include me or click the button come on I'm so grateful for the courage that's being shown right now more importantly the Father our God is smiling down on you let's pray everybody together let's pray this prayer repeat after me say Jesus I am a sinful person. I have made mistakes. I have doubted. I've not been sure. I wondered if you could handle it. And I've run from you. But Father, I lay down my life to you. I surrender all. I ask you to cleanse my mistakes. Wipe them from my slate. Make me a new person. In the image of God, who you created me to be, I give you the keys to my life. You start driving, and I too will follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Before we move on, I got one more thing that I want to do. I want to do this. For anyone who is fearful, in a situation of fear, I'm afraid that my current context or my friend's current context, it just feels overwhelming. It just feels heavy. Come on, once more, 
just with every head bowed, just for a little bit of privacy, if you say, that's me, Pastor Drew, include me in that prayer right now. Me and the prayer team and all of our staff are just going to begin to believe and intercede for you. Father, for every single person who is weak in the knees, who is weak of faith, who is afraid and discouraged, Father God, I thank you that you moved for Simon and you, you provided a great catch for him. Father, I thank you that you provided testimonies for others and you've even provided them in our own lives. But Father, I pray against fear right now. I say, Satan, you can have it no longer. The hearts of God's people are God's people alone. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I speak freedom over every heart. I speak freedom over every mind. In Jesus' name, I ask that the doubts would be washed away as the Egyptians were washed away as they pursued God's people. And I pray, Father God, for a relief and freedom. And Father, you would break through even when all hope seems lost, against all hope, in hope, we believe in Jesus' name. And I've asked, God, that we will get to hear the testimonies of your people. In Jesus' name, set every captive free. In Jesus' name, I believe it. If you believe it, come on, celebrate it and praise that this morning for the work God is doing.